On October 31st, 1988, a man is seen wandering a desolate road near Granite Peak, New Mexico. When questioned, claimed he was looking for the beast. He is never seen again. Four years later, his skeletal remains are found not far from his abandoned car. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of David Stone. Welcome to a chilly, moist basement. It's 40-something degrees this morning. It's so fucking... It's chilly, it's so chilly, I don't even know how to talk anymore. I had to do that intro like 900 times, because I'm the Mauran. Thick tongue this morning you have. <laughs> well, how's it going? It's going, man, it's going. You know, it's a lovely, we're recording on a Saturday morning, so almost lunchtime somewhere. Yeah, we're jumping around, man. We recorded on Tuesday, now we're recording on Saturday. Who knows what's going to happen? It's just... Our, it's 2020, man. It's our busy season. I saw a great meme this week, though. It said, as fucked up as 2020's been, it's still better than my first marriage. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> I, I got a buddy that still, he's been married 21 years. He still introduces his wife to people as his first wife. <laughs> it's my first wife. <laughs> Well, me and Mrs. Arlo are going to celebrate our 21st next weekend. Oh, man. Like, um, wow. 21st. I know. 21st. Right. She's put up with me for 21 years, plus the four we dated. Damn. Quarter of a century, man. No wonder she don't talk to you anymore. I know. When's the last time y'all spoke? Grunts. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time y'all spoke? It's got to be. It's had to be months. Uh <laughs> Lovely, lovely weather we're having. I do enjoy the fall weather. Well, my lovely wife, the she-coach, is having um, our 10th anniversary coming up in early November, and I'm taking her to Salt Lake City, Utah. Look at you. And we're going to we're gonna go to Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going to go to Yellowstone in Wyoming, and we're going to go to Idaho. You going to see Yogi? Hopefully. Okay. That's Jellystone. What? Yellowstone, Jellystone. They're I right got, there next I to each other. I got it confused for a long-ass time, too. But They look similar. <laughs> Now, I'm going to take her to see Old Faithful. We're trying to visit all 50 states, and that'll be a good way to get three of them knocked off. We've visited about 24 so far, so I can't believe she's put up with me this long. The good news is you went through Arkansas before. I love Arkansas. I, Hot Springs is a great town. I don't know if I ever would want to live there because it's a great way to be a victim of an unsolved murder. <laughs> it's true. To live in Arkansas. High percentages. Now, uh, we do have some merchandise in the works. We Uh-oh. are going to finally get off our rear ends and get the beer glasses. Yeah, we said that a year ago. And then uh, we're looking at some hoodies for hoodie weather. Just got to figure out the design. So if you have... I definitely want a hoodie. I don't care. Recommendations for our design. We're thinking about going on the slide and just putting it on our logo on the left I chest. I like our logo. I like the big logo right in the middle of the shirt. That's me. I just let people... Know. Bam, here we are. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. Well, what are we drinking? I just, uh... Hold on. All right, so today we were lucky enough to acquire some Phoenix, Arizona beer, which <clears throat> is pretty close to New Mexico, but it's about as close as we could get. Tonight we are drinking uh, Left-Handed Monkey Wrench Hazy IPA from the good people at North Mountain Brewing Company. And it happens to be delicious. We make pretty good decisions. Now, this lovely beer comes from a ship dog, our trusty listener. He used to live in Phoenix. Ship was ab- Was able to procure some beer before he moved his happy tail to Iowa. What? Yeah, he's a, he's a traveler. That man does not know a state that he will not take a job in. <laughs> well, you got to go where the work is. Ship dog, we appreciate it. And we're going to dive straight in. This may end up being one of our shorter episodes, but we wanted to do something for Halloween. And rather than just go all the, oh, spooky ghosts, blah, blah, blah. You know, we we tend to, we're starting to lean towards the missing persons. We may have to change that up, but 
Well, we did a lot of murders to begin with, so it's just what we find. Well, yeah, I mean, it's what we find interesting at the time, and I happen to think that we needed something for Halloween, and this just happened to happen on Halloween, so let's get to it. Peter Patter, let's get at her. All righty. We don't have any, no five stars, no recommendations, nothing. People just gone quiet on us, but it's okay. We have got like this group of about 20 super fans and that is amazing that they'll comment on everything they share everything their patreon p- patrons it's just i can't believe it it's amazing that people actually look forward to hearing my voice it's, i know it is quite it still hasn't lost its luster you know that that's a happening in our world so we just want to say thank you to all of y'all Thank you, thank you. So in 1988, David Stone, he was 29 years old, and he had moved from his hometown of El Paso, Texas, to La Jolla, La Jolla. How the fuck do you say that? It's La Jolla. Valhalla? La Jolla. La Jolla, California, near San Diego. Yeah, he's going to be a stockbroker. He's going to be um, running his dad, a branch of his dad's stockbroking firm. Stock analyst, stockbroker, whatever. So he had become involved in the New Age movement, and that was a big deal in the late 80s, early 90s, and he sought to change his life, wanted to relocate to California to study writing and poetry. David was described as a generally kind, gentle person, but he did struggle with anger and control issues and was known for being a very aggressive football player while attending the University of Texas at El Paso. On the evening of October 28th, David held a party at his apartment but got into a heated confrontation which prompted him to violently attack one of his friends. He hit him in an excess of 20 times. Now, this is covered on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and the way they portray it is that he did strike the man in excess of 20 times, but it wasn't a violent beatdown. It was more of just 20 punches. Now, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, you know, that does sound kind of odd, but from what I could gather. It wasn't, it wasn't a horrible beatdown. He just punched the motherfucker 20 times. But from what I could gather, times. yeah, from what I could gather, he, there was no severe cuts or lacerations. I think he just body blowed him. I would not want to be on the receiving end of 20 punches, to be honest with you, from a grown man. So, yeah, according to his father, you know, he was basically two separate people you know and he was trying to come to terms with with his with himself with his new religion um i'm a big proponent of that that whole duality of man type feeling you know i think there's two people in me there's a good guy and a bad guy when the bad guy comes out it's not good for anybody but you know he he was a football player in college he played football um he worked out he did a whole lot of things that would allow him to get that aggression out from his bad side, you know. And once he found the New Age religion, he basically was trying to eradicate that part of him. And when it came out in the party, he kind of got really distraught, really messed with him. Yeah, so the following morning, David tells his roommate that he's going to leave town for a few days. And he had already been planning to travel to El Paso in order to be the best man at another friend's wedding on November 5th, but said he wanted to spend a few days isolated and seek some spiritual guidance. Mm -hmm. But after leaving San Diego, David traveled to Eloy, Arizona, where he checked into a motel for a few hours before driving 50 miles to Tucson. ATM records show that he withdrew $200 at 10.22 p.m., and he would also purchase gas in Tucson, at 4.03 a.m. on the morning of October 30th. The last confirmed sighting of David would take place approximately 140 miles away in Hidalgo County, New Mexico, during the early morning hours of October 31st. A local farmer saw David walking down a remote dirt road, and even though the weather was cold, David was only dressed in a t-shirt and shorts and had a large walking stick. Yeah, the desert weather tends to be very... Um, bipolar? Bipolar. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, bipolar. Very high, various highs, various... I mean, extreme highs and extreme lows. Like, when it gets dark in the desert, it's going to get fucking cold. So he is not dressed... He is not dressed at all for the, the environment. Now, the farmer offered David a ride, and he declined and said that he was looking for the beast... 
before he walked out into the desert. And you may say to yourself, Self, what is the beast? Well, that is going to be an idea of the New Age religion. So when you think New Age, I'm not going to get into it really deeply. But Sedona, crystals, pyramids. Yeah, just think of hippies. You know, New Age, um, they're going to be very spiritual. They're going to... While believing in a higher power, it is not a singular higher power. Yeah, it's not. They don't believe in the Christian religion or anything like that. And this is a very, very dumb description of it. Just Google it. Just Google it. It's worth the Google. Yeah, just get on the Goog and give it a Goog, you know. Um, It's it's similar to Hinduism. It's similar to Buddhism. But just think of just hippies, man. So when David failed to show up... For his friend's wedding. Oh, but, oh, wait, wait, wait. That, but, okay. We have to just, the, what I was trying to do is just define what the beast is. Oh, go ahead. See, I, forgot, I just completely forgot because I got lost in my own stupid description. So, he's looking for the beast. And the beast is this idea of that bad part of yourself. It's the anger. It's the frustration. It's the cruelty side of you. So... Basically, it's a vision quest. It's yeah. A, it's an old mm-hmm. uh, Native American vision quest where you are trying to basically mentally get to that point where you can get that side and come to terms with that side yeah. and get it at, under control or out of your system. Exactly. So when he says to the farmer that he's looking for the beast, the farmer's going to think he's fucking crazy. And kind of in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, he kind of giggles and like, all right, buddy. <laughs> yeah, all right, man. We'll see you. Like, have fun with that. See if you can find him. But to Mr. Stone, it made perfect sense. You know, uh, he, he's really, truly looking for this idea of the beast, not an actual factual animal or creature or whatever. So when, when he fails to show up for his friend's wedding rehearsal in El Paso, he was reported missing. And his abandoned car would be discovered on New Mexico Highway 80. And sorry, uh, but that that is another thing that um, well, during the research it kind of makes you you feel like that he just went out into this desert for no reason whatsoever. He actually has to go to Texas. He's driving to Texas. Yeah. So for a wedding. So he's he, thinking he's going to take a couple extra days, yeah, find himself, so that yeah. way he doesn't have an episode. It's not like he just went from California to New Mexico for z- for no reason whatsoever other than to find the beast. He has places to be, things to do. Now, his car was discovered 18 miles south of Lordsburg. On October 30th, a local couple had been d- driving down the highway when they saw David outside his car, and he appeared to be writing something on a notepad as he stared at Granite Peak in the distance. They asked David if he had had car trouble, but he assured them everything was fine. And then later, a railroad worker would state he had seen David crossing nearby railroad tracks and walking into the desert while talking to himself and acting strangely. And like we said earlier, it was suspected that he was on a, quote, vision quest as a part of this New Age movement. And an extensive search of the desert would uncover some very cryptic clues with granite peak it is widely known that it is in the shape of a pyramid yes there's a pyramid mountains and so these new age people tend to really think that pyramids are important now he's been reported missing so they activate search and rescue Mm -hmm. and i forget the name of the search and rescue team but it's on the unsolved mysteries episode and these are local guys, horseback trackers, and so they state as he as they are starting to look for him, they start from the car, and they have a goodie, a goodie, they have a pretty good track of his footprints leading out into the desert. So they follow his tracks for about a half a mile, and they come across a pyramid of rocks. And the way it's depicted in the episode is. He's made a pyramid of rocks, and then he's taken three stones and made basically another triangle around it. So they find this, you know, like we said, odd, and then they keep following his footsteps into the desert. And approximately another quarter of a mile, they find yet another pyramid of rocks. 
But what's going to be odd about this one is he's actually going to leave a few things behind that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense either. Yeah, the first thing that doesn't make sense is he left just two quarters. Just random, here's 50 cents next to this pyramid. Mm -hmm. The major oddity is he left his gold Rolex watch. Which is, if you don't know, not cheap. Yeah, not cheap. So they're going to assume that he's like leaving clues as if he's in in, in distress. Yeah, it's like a, a, basically it's a breadcrumb trail. It's the way that his family and the searchers describe it. Now they keep following his trail and eventually they come up to a sandy wash area is what they call it. And in this sandy wash area they find a string of numbers written in the sand. Which is amazing to me that they were still there. These numbers were still there. It it's, it's very diff, it's, um, wasn't very clear on how long it was until they found these, you know, so. One of the searchers in the episode states that when he is looking between the first pyramid and the second pyramid, he all the hair on the back of his neck stands up and he turns around and he swears that he is being watched, and he feels like that David sees him. Mm-hmm. And so he calls the other searcher with him, and that's when they find the second pyramid. But he said he couldn't shake the fact that he felt like he was being watched. And then, like we stated, the numbers are found, and then it comes to light that it's just not a regular string of numbers. Mm-hmm. It is part of, it's actually the beginning of the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci sequence is used um, by stockbrokers. For what the fuck, I have no idea. It is a mystical number type thing. You know, it's got way more meaning than to a lot of a lot more people than we're we're not we're not even going to get into it. But essentially, the Fibonacci sequence is you start with zero and one, and then you keep going up by adding the two previous numbers together to make the next number. So zero and one is one, one and one is two, one and two is three, two and three are five. So the Fibonacci sequence would be zero, one, one, two, three, five, eight, 13, 21, 34, 55. That's the very beginning of it. And it keeps going on forever. Forever. So essentially, you know, two plus three is five. That's how you get the next one. Three plus five is eight. 5 plus 8 is 13. 8 plus 13 is 21. But here's where it gets crazy. Instead of writing 21, David wrote 18 instead. Now, Which, according to his father, he certainly knew better. Yes. He knew the Fibonacci sequence, at the very least, up until that point, um, if not even further. But so this is an anomaly that to me clearly means something what it means i don't know they're trying to say it was him saying he was in distress right the family believes that's that's his way of saying yes i agree with you the family mom and dad both say this is a clue that he's saying that he's in distress he's in trouble but i mean it's possible i'm not this i'm not completely discounting it but god it's just and in the episode, they lead you to believe that 18 was purposely written because that had been his high school football his, number his college, and his college number. It was his college. Uh, did it say high school? I think it did. But it, anyway, it was his it college was his number. his senior year in, in college. At the very least, we know that for a fact. And his car was found at mile marker 18. Now, there is a post on Reddit and a website dedicated to a numerologist dissecting all of these numbers, his name, adding numbers to the name, and coming up with this wild theory that doesn't go anywhere. It's well, just all n- numerology. If you get in, I saw, I know what you're talking about, and I saw I saw that, but in like the day, the day he was found, if you separate the numbers completely, but then add them up, you get yeah. 18. And if you add but, October and 30 and then subtract this number and that number and... Though I'm not, again, I'm not discrediting meaning behind all that, but there's definitely ways to manipulate 
that data to make to say what you want because like okay well he was found on um what day was he found if you don't know what we're talking about look up the numerology behind 9-11 there is a ton of it about the flight numbers the number of passengers all of it adding up to 9-11 and if you subtract 9-11 you get this and you get that if you add them you get this and you get that yeah so he's going to be found on february 23rd 1992 and if you stretch out Two twenty-three, uh, ninety-two, and add them all together as singular numbers. You get eighteen or whatever. But you have to take out the nineteen, and you have to separate the twenty-three, and you have, you know, it's yeah. Like you have to take that. You can manipulate. What I'm trying to say is, you can manipulate data to say whatever you want and find meaning behind it. And I just sidebar on that. In a in my masters, we had a statistical part. And data analysis. And this professor, he was awesome, man. He really was. He was a retired superintendent. And he writes on the board the months of the year. And then underneath it, he shows the amount of ice cream sales starting in January. Okay. So if you follow ice cream sales in January going all the way to December, it makes a nice little bell curve. Because as the warm weather oh, occurs, yeah, no shit. the ice cream sales go up. And so he says, you know, this is proven data. I got this from blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He said, now, let me explain something to you. I'm going to show you that data can be manip- manipulated. So underneath the ice cream sales, he writes another set of numbers, and it makes a nice, neat little bell curve as well, and the numbers coincide. You can see that the amount of change is similar, and it's the number of shark attacks. And so therefore, he said, this is shark attacks starting from January to December. He said, so from my data analysis, if you don't eat ice cream, you won't be bitten by a shark. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we're talking about. Data can be manipulated to mean anything. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure because I eat a lot of ice cream in June does not mean I'm going to be bit by a shark in July. <laughs> so back to the case. Well, I saw something similar about that with a teacher that was explaining this, that basically that same thing about how data can be manipulated. And she, she proved that low blood pressure caused car wrecks. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> well... Because when you drink alcohol, your blood pressure tends to go down. So you know it's kind of yeah, it's kind of the same, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no idea where the fuck we are in the case. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like we're not making any sense today, and I don't. Well, you know, I could feel bad about it, but I don't. All right, so back to the Fibonacci <laughs> sequence. Like we said, that everyone in his family and his friends think this was a coded message. So, but the tracks start to. Yeah, I don't think the man. I think the man knows enough about it to get it correct. So I do believe that him put placing the number 18 is some something. sort of message. What it means, I can't say. But it means something. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I don't know what it means, but it means something. Your guess is as good as mine. Thank you. Deuces. <laughs> Join us next week when we cover another fucked up case. Yeah, join us next week when we have no answers for anything. So, like I was saying, the tracks, David's tracks in the desert start to basically disappear. He's been missing, I think, at this point, five or six days, maybe more. So, they're having a hard time finding his tracks. So, they bring in bloodhounds, and bloodhounds start to track him. And they track him 13 miles north, and it basically ends at the intersection of Highway 80 and Interstate I-10 near Shady Grove Truck Stop. Now, at the time, this is going to give them hope. But to us, it's going to be another huge part of the the what-the-fuck mystery of it. Because when when your scent disappears at a highway... You got into a vehicle. Yeah, that gives the people looking for you every indication... That you got in a vehicle and you drove away, or at least rode away. So that's what they're going to think happened. Reference our um, cocaine and flowers episode located in the archives. <laughs> but his parents are going to have hope that he just 
is alive and is alive and well and he he disappears in 1988 the unsolved mysteries episode comes on in 1990 he is at that point still a missing person but unfortunately that's not the ending that his parents would see come to fruition now david's parents did search through his car and they find a pocket bible and in that Bible, they find a business card for a Douglas, Arizona man named Tony Ballesteros. And Ballesteros was questioned by police and even Unsolved Mysteries. And he claims that he had never met David and knew nothing about his disappearance. He says that he had gone deer hunting in a remote area approximately 30 to 40 miles southwest of where David's car was abandoned and he had placed his business card in a mesquite tree in order to help his friends find their way to his campsite. He theorizes it's possible that David either A, found the card while passing through the area, or the wind blew the car card out and he picked it up then. But with that, that would lead you to believe that he had tracked into the desert, found the card, mm-hmm. and then somehow come back to mm-hmm. his car. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that in the in my research didn't make sense to me is they were like, oh, well, it just, the wind could have blew it. But nobody, it seemed like everybody that was writing about it or talking about it forgot the fact that that card was found in his car. Right. In a pocket Bible, yeah. in like a backpack or a jacket. I thought it was in his glove box. but whatever. Either way. Either way. It's in his car. So, but I mean, it's the the card is difficult for me because most likely it means nothing, but it's could it's possible that it means everything, and people just overlooked it. Yeah, they just took what's his name Ballesteros Ballesteros Good Lord Ballesteros at his word when he said he didn't know him. They just oh, okay, he didn't know him. What if he did? What what if? What if their paths crossed somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I I have no idea. Now that's not the. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like they're just going to be like everyone's going to believe that. Oh, he just stumbled across uh, across this card in the desert. Walked back to his car and kept it. Without going, they're going to accept that story with no questions, rather than go. Wait a minute. How, a, how'd it get to his car? Well, I mean, we also act like it's the only car that the man ever had. Yeah, there's probably more business cars. This man's got... He's a stock, stock market analyst. Yeah, you, you, uh... <laughs> and back then in 88, that was the way to get your name out. Yeah, you uh, you don't print off one card, okay? You no. You print off a ton of them. Again, there could be more to the card about how he got it, but it still could be meaningless. True. He could have just picked it up um, anywhere, to be honest. It could have been on the side of the road. Yeah. Well, no, he could have been in a cafe. You know, the people leave their business cards at the counter all the time, and it's a Bible. He needs a bookmark. He could have just randomly picked up a card, didn't even know, didn't even read it, didn't even know whose name was on it. Or there could be more to it. There could be... They could have crossed paths. There could have been... If I get into a car accident <laughs> on the way home, or at any time, there's a tattered business card <laughs> in my truck. <laughs> it is from 97, handwritten on the back of it, with a price on it. <laughs> it is not a cocaine drop or a drug drop that I was some kind of cocaine dealer <laughs> in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's actually a mom and pop mm-hmm. taxidermy place mm-hmm. in LJ, Georgia. Sure. So please do not go looking for them if I happen to meet my demise. <laughs> All right, back to the no, case. No, I'm going. No, now I'm going to look for them anyway. <laughs> I'm. Gonna, They're the sweetest couple in the world. 1990. You go. You boys know Arlo. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the only bizarre clue that was found in his car. And, and before we reveal it, and again in my research, and even on the. Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved episode. Mysteries, they, they talk about this, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's strange. This is be, is more than strange. Yeah, this, this is odd, cryptic even. This 
And they even focus on the wrong part. Yeah. They focus on the T. I want to know the safe. Go ahead. Tell them what, tell them what it says. So on, on the, the back of a receipt. On the back of a <laughs> gasoline receipt. God dang Diablo sandwich. <laughs> they discover a handwritten note, and it reads, quote, They think the word is in the safe. And word is in all caps. All four caps. Six knives in Rob's room. Use buys your tea and use take your chances. Halloween. End quote. Now, the only Rob in his life was his former roommate. Mm -hmm. And no one could figure out the meaning of this message. So let's dissect this message a little bit. I want to know the safe. I want to know the knives. And supposedly the use buys your tea and use take your chances is from a book, is it not? Well, it's not the tea part. It's like There's variations of of it. It's like, but it basically it's like you buy your ticket, you take your chances. Right. But it is worded use. You buy use tea, use takes your chances. And then Halloween. Halloween. And everybody's focusing on, like, well, we don't know what T means. What about the word? Yeah, the word is obviously they important. Think, it's they, capitalized. Yeah, they think the word is in the safe. What safe? What word? And why does Rob have six knives in yeah, his room? like, just, I don't know. This is, I think the fact, again, this could be everything. And it could be. Nothing. Nothing. He was looking to write poetry and stuff like that. He may have just been doodling. Yeah, he may have just... It may have just come to him after he pumped gas. What My question is, is will we still, would investigators, or us for that matter, focus on it so much if the word Halloween wasn't there? Because Halloween's there. He disappeared on Halloween. Are we reading too much into it? And I think that happens a lot in disappearances. I think mundane things of someone's life get blown out of proportion. Well, it's human nature to try to make a connection. Yeah. If again, if you if something happens and my truck's found in my cooler, there's an odd number of beers. That's because I just drink them when I want to. It's not because me and six other guys were there. We got interrupted. <laughs> All right. So that's, your ass. that's fine though. That's what I want. <laughs> um, so again, no one can figure out what the message means. Now, that is basically the end of the facts of the current case. But it is not the end of the case. Unfortunately, on February 23rd, 1992, a group of hunters find skeletal remains in the rocky terrain near Granite Peak, about five miles from the spot where David's car was discovered. They were soon positively identified as belonging to David. The conditions that the remains were in made it impossible to determine when or how David met his demise. But, according to a forensic pathologist, there were no signs, obvious signs of trauma or foul play. So the exact circumstances of his death still remain a mystery. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna um, determine they're gonna write it as death by misadventure, which that's kind of odd. But yeah, he's gonna be found very close by to where he his car was found. So that doesn't explain how his scent disappeared. Like, did he, the only way that his scent disappears like that is if he left the area. I mean. Why would you leave the area and then return? Yeah. But now, in a news article from the Prescott Courier dated April 14th, 1992, it is theorized that he had actually joined a new age commune and decided to return to the mountain. And that's where he met his demise. And they go on to actually interview 
the farmer who saw him wandering down the dirt road. And his name was Mr. Larry Rivers. Now, they also talk about how the search was conducted with four airplanes and 20 to 25 search and rescue investigators. And in the article, it actually goes into a little bit, and I'll quote from it. It says that a hunting party spotted bones in a granite outcropping about a mile west of the highway between Rodeo, New Mexico, and Road Forts, New Mexico. New Mexico. Quote, I thought it was an animal at first, says Kenneth Melberg. I worked my way down there. The first thing I picked up was a jawbone. I knew right away it was a human skeleton. The hunters said the back of the skull had been shattered, and Sheriff Robert Hall gathered the bones and took photos. The state office of the medical investigator in Albuquerque had concluded and confirmed through medical records that it was David Stone but no cause or time of death was found or could be determined. According to Dr. Manny Iestami, all I can say is that he did not sustain any injury just before or at the time of death. There is no reason to believe there were any trauma. The skull was shattered in 10 pieces, he said, and there was evidence animals had chewed on the bones. Investigators theorized the back part of the skull was broken by animals. Still missing are Stone's... Eyeglasses, car keys, driver's license, a gold chain, credit cards, and clothing. Although remains of his tennis shoes were discovered. The sheriff at the time states that most of Hidalgo County involves drug smugglers coming from North Mexico. And he theorizes that David may have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, that could make a little bit of sense, too. That w- If he was at the wrong place at the wrong time about... Um uh, with drug dealers, maybe they did scoop him up, take him away, and uh, question him somewhere, kill him, and bring him back and dump him. Same spot. The head of the search and rescue at the time, Mr. Ralph Dowdy, Dow, it's not Dowdy, D-O-W-D-Y, it's D-A-W-D-Y. Anyway, he says that what is strange to him is the search and rescue team frequently practice their techniques in that area. And he's on record stating, quote, all the time we were out there, we knew we were really trying to find out what happened to David. And he says what gives him pause is we never saw where he got his water. We never found tracks near a windmill. We never found discarded food wrappers. We are not used to looking for people who don't want to be found. Well, I mean, I would argue... That leaving the quarters, leaving the Rolex, leaving the pyramids. I mean, maybe he did want to be found. But, I mean, it does make sense that you're going to find a camp. You're going to find remnants of a fire. You're going to find somewhere where somebody's bedded down. You're going to find something other than just those clues. So he makes a good point. But I would argue that those clues were clues that he wanted to be found. Right. But, and that's all the facts of the case, and now we kind of get into some of the prevalent theories, and of course, the main two are a mental illness, a combination of a mental illness and drugs, or just drugs. But, a lot of people believe that exposure was the cause of death. And then here we go. He could have found some LSD (laughs) or some mushrooms and that could be the reason behind the cryptic notes. Well, I wouldn't. Maybe he found peyote. That was now. That is something I wanted to get into. They said, and I'm glad you brought that up. They said that if you were really doing a vision quest and you're doing it authentically, you're gonna take something like peyote or what's that shit in the Appalachians? A s s the a s t h y u c s a s the casia. No idea what the fuck you're talking about. There was a show on Discovery about it. Oh, I don't know, man. Anyway, basically... Ayahuasca is, no, 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 is, no, no, is no, South American. I I'm just said say, Appalachia. I'm not saying it's the same thing. <laughs> don't I'm you go telling, South America when I said I'm just, Appalachia. I'm not saying they were the same thing. I'm just saying that's what people do to trip. Dick. God. That's it. This is over. <laughs> <laughs> all, all over geography. 
I'm out of here. Anyway, they think that he could have, and they said the guy, I read a theory somewhere, and it's probably on Reddit. The guy was really well-versed in the research, and he said that people that have gone on Vision Quest or go into, like, the sweatshops, not sweatshop, <laughs> yeah, they go into a sweatshop, basically the Native American sweat tents, and have a vision that if you have any type of mental illness, that stuff will bring it to the front and bring it to the front quickly. And so they think that he could have had a break, and it was caused by the use of some LSD-type substance, and he just died of exposure because he was tripping. I mean, it, it makes sense. We don't have any evidence to prove it true or disprove it, but... Well, it would explain how the man would not try to find help. It would explain how the man would be in the wrong clothing, you know, and it it, it would explain a, a lot of the mysteries if you could just write it off as him on drugs. And he was missing, I think, four or five days when they started the airplane searches and the ground search. And like we stated you know, one of the searchers felt like he was being watched. So that would leave you to believe the area was flooded with airplanes, people on horseback, search and rescue walkers and stuff like that. So unless he had already made it to the interstate, it would have been very difficult not to have seen everyone out. Now, there is a subthread about the note and... <laughs> This may be one of the better Reddit names. And his username is Proctologist Ungloved. <laughs> Proctologist Ungloved? Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, he says that he's from Pennsylvania and uses a Philadelphia slash New York accent slang. In the South, especially Texas, it would be y'all, if anything. Not that it disproves that being the intention of the note. But I would expect someone from the area to say that naturally. The podcast The Trail Went Cold did an episode on David, and they had theorized that the football angle was an interesting theory that no one considered in 88. And from their perspective, they wonder if he could have had... Well, CTE? CTE. Really? And they said the reason is that if he did have CTE and he took something on his vision quest, like I was saying earlier, that could have heightened or accelerated the CTE. Maybe. That's an interesting theory. I never, I didn't think about that. Because for better or worse, you kind of think CTE is a new thing just because we look, we've learned about it recently. You know, it's not. But no, people have been experiencing... Uh, Bad effects from foosball for a long time. Yeah, and they said that in a lot of cases, there are instances where they just drive out and try to get away. Now, there are other people on Reddit that think that he was making the pyramids as a breadcrumb to find his way back. Now, that's possible. That makes sense that it was more or less for him rather than a, a cry for help. I like that. Yeah, because it would make sense if you're trying to keep an, a general line between the mountain and your car, you could leave you, you know, these pyramids. And, and that also ties back into the new age thing. If he's building the pyramids as a way to, you know, find the beast, it is also serving twofold. You know, it's doing that for new age, but it, at the same time, it's also a trail marker for him to find his way back to his car. Yeah, I like that. I didn't think about that. I didn't, nor did I see that in my research, but that makes a whole lot of sense that it would be more or less for him. So I like that. Okay, so we do now have another user that says, and this is from Nightflyer5050. He says, you buy your tea and you take your chances is a play on an old saying about stocks and or gambling in general. You pays your money and you take your chances. He references an article that states that David was in the New Age movement, and he theorizes if one were to have, quote, six knives in their, quote, house, 
the six knives would represent a regretful yet necessary rite of passage. What? I, it makes doesn't make any sense. Doesn't I mean that muddies it even worse? That, no, no, we're not. No. And then he goes on to say he on, he goes on to say that he feels like this spirit quest he did use a reality altering substance. He thinks Datura, basically Angel's Trumpet, Jimson Weed, in tea. Are you even speaking English anymore? And considered it to be a spiritual <laughs> guide, albeit a dangerous and unpredictable one. Basically, the peyote. 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 Well, I mean that could be it. And, and that you, you takes your tea, you takes your chances. You know, peyote tea, ayahuasca tea, maybe. And before you yell at me again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of like that idea that the CTE possibly had an, had a, an effect on uh, how he reacted to the drugs. Because you're right, a vision quest, most vision quests to do it right, you're going to have to get intoxicated in some way. Man, we might have figured this out. Oh, well, if we go down that road, then we're going to have to call Joe Rogan and see if, he, if this is part of the DMT experience. No, ayahuasca is not the same as DMT, and Joe Rogan won't talk to us anymore. Now, another person on uh, Reddit theorizes that he could have turned off highway, or I'm sorry, he could have turned off I-10 onto Highway 80 mistakenly and should have turned south on U.S. Route 666. Oh, don't, don't, don't get me started. He would have then doubled back driven northwest and past the location where Ballesteros, quote, left his business card. The only reason that he states this is because he believes that David would have known that Route 666 and him, quote, looking for the beast would have coincided. So we get into our theories. This dog farted. And I would have to state that I believe. <laughs> Sorry. I lean towards him being on some sort of mind-altering drug looking for his vision quest or in his vision quest. Okay. And I'm going to I'm going to be inclined to agree with you. How however, what did he die what did he die of? How, how did he avoid detection yeah. for 4 years? How did uh his scent disappear at the edge of a at the edge of the yeah. highway? It doesn't account for anything. I just think that that I think that's the underlying cause for his disappearance. I don't. I can't claim that that is why he disappeared, but I think that contributed. He was on a vision quest. He decided that he was going to have some mind altering. He's walking towards the pyramid mountain. He's made the pyramids, and then something goes crazy wrong, and he winds up out in the elements with nothing. So I don't. You know, you don't ever know. Well, um, again, I think I think you might be right. I think the T. It's probably, if we're going to say that that note is meaningful, I'm going to say that the the tea is referring to some sort of uh, peyote tea, ayahuasca tea, or something. And and I think that he does end up losing his life on a bad trip. On a bad trip, but that this still doesn't explain how his scent disappears. Yeah. That really does it. I have no, I have no answer for that, other than perhaps that he was picked up, brought back. You know, the whole New Age commune thing. It may make some sense if he made it to the highway, somehow met up with some other New Age religious people, kind of hung out with them for a couple of years, and decided to go back to the mountain for another quest. But again. You would think, like the search and rescue guy said, that they would have seen him or found some other signs of him before his body's discovered. All right, ladies and gentlemen, like usual, we didn't answer anything, but we will get into our recommendation. You go first, goat. Though I've sworn off recommending podcasts. For yeah, like I believe past, I got my ass chewed on that last Like time. for the past like six, six episodes, I'm like, stop recording. Nobody, but you know what? I got a podcast to recommend because I found it 
I threw a suggestion, listener suggestion, and it's amazing. It's called Radio Rental. If a lot of you probably already heard about it, it's got Rain Wilson played Dwight Schrute from The Office. He is the narrator of it. Basically, they're taking people that have experienced uh, weird things in their life, paranormal, um, serial killers, and survived plane. The guy was on the plane with the shoe bomber. A whole bunch of other things. Like episode two that was a very interesting story about a man who experienced a doppelganger of his girlfriend. Very strange. But yeah, it's a good uh, good way to pass the time. Once you have listened and re-listened to all 50-some-odd episodes of Mysterious Brews and you find yourself still clamoring for podcasts, give uh, give uh, Radio Rental a shot. Mine is not really a recommendation well, I guess it could be. We have a lady who has her own personal blog that is following us on Instagram, and it is annoying know-it-all. And she is reposting our episodes and tagging us in podcast recommendations. And I want to thank her sincerely for recommending us and getting our name out there. I guess the only thing that I could recommend and I thought about this coming over today. I'm just going to recommend being nice. If you see someone that needs an extra hand, like their car's broke down or they need a push, or it could be as small as holding the door for someone. I think we all could use a little bit of that. That's just my two cents, and you can take it for what it's worth. It's like elbows. Everybody's got one, and you can't lick them. Well, I would, you know, if you're going to do that, and you're going to be nice. It would be very nice if... You would recommend us to a friend, uh, force them to listen to us. At know. gunpoint if you need to. Yeah. I mean, Make them I, I've only done that six or seven times. Make them subscribe and comment. And Make them a Patreon patron. All good, all good for the, you know. The good of humanity Just is for to the, get. Yeah, for the good of this podcast. To get please. a belly laugh from yeah. our two dumbasses. <laughs> so, rumor has it you got another uh, top five for me. Oh, I'm... So... Yeah, I just figured uh, out of a conversation I had with somebody recently about foods you hate. So I want to know the top five foods that you absolutely, positively refuse to eat, will never, can't stand it. Just fucking nasty. Number five, <laughs> cauliflower in oh, any yeah, it's form. fucking terrible. It's just terrible. That's awful. My number five, because I didn't want to put all five being vegetables I will eat this, but I promise you, of all the meats on this planet, it's the one I will turn down the most, and that's ham. ham I can't. I, it's the only meat I don't Texture? like. Texture? I just don't like it. I don't know. It's too salty. Just w- there's just too much beautiful other parts of the pig. other parts of the pig. <laughs> there's so much more delicious. Delicious. Why would you waste your time on a slab of ham? On ham, it's ugh. With a side of ugh. And a, but if it's the only option, if you're like, hey, I got cauliflower or, or ham, ham. I'm taking the ham. I'm going to take the ham. Number four, pine nuts. What? I hate them. What? I flipping you, hate them. How can you hate pine nuts? Because it tastes like I'm eating the damn <laughs> pine needle. To hell with it. Just let me eat the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, my number four is squash slash zucchini. Fuck that. That is nasty. Why? Like, I could have made a top 40 list of vegetables, vegetables I don't want to eat. Like, it's easier for me to be like, okay. Carnivore. I will eat spinach carrots. in a spinach salad, carrots, and I will choke down asparagus. But pretty much oh, that's fuck it. Fuck that shit. But that's it. That's the only asparagus three. Get- Asparagus didn't make my top five, but it's an honorable mention. Oh, it makes you pee smell so bad. Number three, beets. I don't think I've ever had a beet. Oh, they're horrible. I don't. I they're pro- god awful. I, I would assume that I wouldn't like them, but I've never had one. He gonna eat that bug? Yeah, he is. Go ahead. <laughs> number three for you. That was number three. No, I did beets, dumbass. Oh. <laughs> Uh, peas. 
English or any type? Any type of peas. They're, oh, I love English peas, they're man. Dis- Little green balls. They're disgusting. Why would, like, who even, like, figures out that that's a food? Like. I'm with you on the pine nuts, too. That, and I didn't make the list, but boiled peanuts are nasty as well. How are you going to take a beautiful, delicious thing as a peanut and you're going to boil the shit out of it make it mush? I agree with you. I, I'm right there with you, I buddy. Put, I put boiled peanuts and peas in the same category. They pretty much, they, they seem the same to me. Texture. They're a waste of fucking time. Takes too long to cook and they ain't got no taste. <laughs> peas have taste. They taste like shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. <laughs> For me, it is 15-bean soup, 14-bean, 12-9, whatever number you want to put on it, bean soup. That thing is god-awful. I've never had it, so, but I'm assuming I wouldn't like it. If you don't like peas, you ain't going to like this bean soup. Well, I'm going to put honorable mention for black beans. I can't stand black beans. They should have made the list. Number two will come to no surprise to anybody that knows me personally, especially my mother. When I turned 16 years old, I told her... I'm almost an adult, and I will never eat these again, and I am 39, and I have never eaten one since I was 16 years old, and that's a green bean. Those things are horrid. Seriously? You yes. don't even eat, like, the deep-fried green bean? No. Really? Why would I do that? They're the nastiest thing on the planet. There's only one thing nastier, and I guarantee everybody's like, I can't believe this wasn't number, no, number one, but green, I have Everybody's like, oh, you would change your mind if you just had my green beans. No, the, no, the wouldn't. No, wouldn't. There's two things I haven't had since I was 16. That's green beans and tequila. And I promise you, I ain't never having either one of them again. <laughs> Fucking gross. All right. And if, Numero. Don't, don't at me. Don't, don't make, well, you never had. No, I've had them all. I've had green bean casserole. I've had all green beans. I've had. Boiled, I've had fried, I've had every type of green bean. Don't tell me that, well, you just ain't had mine. You know why? Because I ain't going to have yours. I'm not eating that shit. Then, All right. It's nasty. Number one. <laughs> My number one. Hands down, you'll never see me eat this shit. I don't care. And I'm almost to the point like you are. Don't at me. Don't tell me I've never had this type. Don't tell me that it's the best thing ever since sliced bread. No, it's not. It is beef stroganoff i would rather lick my shoe than eat fucking beef stroganoff again when i was a kid my parents would make that shit with 15 bean soup about once every two weeks and i had to gag that stuff down Ugh, it's nasty yeah i i i can i kind of agree and like, don't come at me with well you never had authentic beef stroganoff i don't give two shits if it's authentic or not yeah my mom used to make uh Beef and noodles, I couldn't stand that. And she'd make uh, cube steak and gravy, I couldn't stand that. Oh, Do you ever have goulash? Yeah, I've had goulash. Who the hell ain't had goulash? I couldn't stand that. It's too sweet. But, man, she would make that all the time. Be like, And sure enough, green beans with them every damn time. Now, don't get me wrong. My mom, like her homemade pizza, I every time... Anytime my mom's like, I'm going to come visit. I'll bring stuff and make pizza. <laughs> and she made damn good spaghetti. I mean, her, her homemade pizza, I love, absolutely love. But she made some things that just weren't that good. Sorry, Mom, I love you, but. You're number one. The reason why green beans didn't, like, the reason why green beans weren't number one, even though they're horrid, is I have proven several times in my life that I can choke those down if I have to. I can, I got a little creative in my teenage years. I would cut them in half and then swallow them like pills. <laughs> And a boy. <laughs> Bet your next morning ritual was kind of ugly. Look, I'm just saying, mom would be like, You ain't leaving till those are gone. Well, by God. They gone. <laughs> but this food, I cannot, my body will physically reject. I can, I have never, never eaten this to the point of swallowing. I have it, I've had it in my mouth, and I, my body has rejected it every time. Like, absolute disgust and i will throw up and that is raw tomatoes really raw tomatoes really i cannot my body that is amazing every signal in my brain says this is poison and get it out get it out we will die if you swallow this (laughs) and what is crazy is i am 39 years old and it took me 
I was so confused for so so much longer. I was in my 20s, late 20s before I figured this out. And this is shameful. It took me till my late 20s to figure out why I could not eat raw tomatoes, but I loved salsa. I was like, how is that possible? Never occurred to me that just because the sauce is cold don't mean those tomatoes weren't cooked at some point. <laughs> True. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's a good point. It's so stupid. <laughs> I was like, I guess, but yeah, I guess if you blend them, no, no, they're cooked, they're boiled tomatoes, and they, uh, but no, raw tomatoes are terrible. Man, I'd have never guessed that. It re- I mean, my body's no, no. Like now, <laughs> some honorable mentions, and this is because I've had my gallbladder out, and I just can't physically eat them without becoming ill. Lettuce now, and I used to love salads. And avocados, any type. If it's if there's avocado in it, guacamole, mm-mm, you might as well. I better. I would be better off drinking gasoline. My body absolutely dis- will eat itself if I have just a little bit of guacamole or any kind of avocado. So there you have it. Another 10, 15 minutes of useless information. <laughs> that, that we were in no way stretching... The, the episode out that's not no that's not we're not feeling anything no 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 i think people need to know how disgusting green beans are i think people need to understand i'm not eating damn beef stroganoff all right ladies and gentlemen you got anything <laughs> else there coach <laughs> no uh in case everybody's wondering the dog did not eat that bug it's i'm very still, i'm very proud of him it's still there barely. legs in the air but it's still there it's, it may be dead but he didn't eat it so all right deuces <laughs>